Welcome to the Be Better Chop Shop Podcast. Why, why is it the chop house, man? The chop shop, man, because we, we chop it up and dissect the information in here. I like that. Be Better World is a movement about empowering people. Stay tuned for some really cool people, some really cool episodes, and learn what you can do to empower yourself. Welcome back to the Be Better podcast, and I'm in the chop shop, and I have the pleasure of having the honorable Penny Ronning in the building with me. She is the councilwoman for Ward 4 in Billings, Montana, so welcome to the show, madam. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, you inviting me. Absolutely. I had to invite you because yeah. I know all of this crazily wonderful stuff that you're doing in the community that mm. I think sometimes gets buried. And I'm serious mm. about that, right? Um, so I really wanted to have you on the show because I think we need to highlight those type things mm-hmm. and we just don't do enough of it, mm-hmm. right? I agree. And so I'm going to jump in, right? Mm-hmm. And since it's my show, I get to jump where I want to yep. jump, right? Yep. Go so, for it. So here is what drew me to you, and you probably don't even know this. I was at a chamber meeting. Yeah. And this young lady, who name escapes me right now, she stood up and she had this red sand yeah. in a bag, and she said that you guys were co-facilitating this human trafficking thing. Yep. That's where we first met. That's, you and I, that's where you and I first met. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I knew it was an issue, mm-hmm. but I, I'm just going to be completely honest with you and the audience. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how big of an issue it was, and you guys mm-hmm. just brought a crazy light on that for me, right? Yeah. So talk about some of the work you're doing in that arena with human trafficking. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you're not the first to say that you didn't realize how big it was in Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most people, when they think of Montana, they think of these gorgeous, beautiful mountains and wide open spaces and scenic rivers, and they don't think of the underbelly mm-hmm. of what we've got here. And we do have an underbelly. Uh, there are different um, statistics out there that show that Montana is fourth per capita in the nation with a human trafficking problem. Wow. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different layers that make make it so, uh, and, and we can share some of those layers. Um, but this is an issue that I've really lived with my entire life. Uh, I, you know, when I first got into the work of fighting human trafficking, um, I didn't share my own personal story, uh, because it's really, um, it's my family's story. It's my mom's story. And until my mom was at a point where, uh, she was advanced enough in her life where I could freely talk about that and it wouldn't um, bring trauma back into her life. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't share my own personal story with that. So when we talk about human trafficking, it's important to remember that in the level of um, conversation in which we're talking about human trafficking as a crime, it's still a relatively young crime in the United States. It's only been a crime at the federal level, which is the first place it was ever a crime, um, for only 20 years. This 2020 is the, is the 20th year that human trafficking has been a crime in the United States. It's always been, a, been here. It's always been a crime. It just now became legally punishable. We just accepted it before. Uh, 
We just turned our eyes. We looked the other direction. We said, shh, be quiet. We called it prostitution. We criminalized victims. Um, and we just turned and looked the other way because it truly is a dirty little secret in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. We don't like to talk about something as harsh as as people paying to rape children. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. You know, it's it's paying to sexually assault and rape vulnerable populations. So um, when uh, when I became involved in the fight against human trafficking uh, was when I had moved back to Billings to help take care of my mom. And um, I came back to Billings uh, via... Livingston. I had been living in Livingston and Bozeman, and then I, prior to that, I'd been all over the world living, and I had just was in the way of uh, moving back to Los Angeles. And then my mom got ill, and so I came back to Billings and knew that I had to get involved in the community just to stay active in my mind and stay sane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I got involved um, was when I became a CASA advocate, which is a court-appointed special advocate for abused and neglected children. My very first case was a 15-year-old girl who didn't have any parents. Her father had abandoned his family when she was two weeks old, and her mother had died when she was 12. So she had no responsible adults to care for her. When her mom died, her mom willed her to a friend, but this friend was a meth dealer. And so this young girl in Billings, um, at a very young age, knew that if she didn't get out of that house, she wasn't going to live very long. You know, she was, she knew, she knew that she needed to leave that house. Uh, When she left the house is when um, she kind of couch surfed like a lot of homeless children do in our community. And... uh, she became very ill and ended up in the hospital, and that and that's how she ended up in the foster care system. And she gets me as her CASA advocate, and she's my very first case. I hadn't had any experience prior to that. And she's a 15-year-old girl with a lot of trauma and a lot of hurt, and she does not want to be in the foster care system. And she's still a young girl dealing with the death of a mother that she idolized and cherished. So she runs away, and I very naively believed that the Billings Police Department would want a picture of her and go look for her, or Child Protective Services would go look for her, and I just assumed that's what would happen, and it didn't. And I became very angry, Uh, and I had to rely on my CASA training to figure out how to find this young girl, and eventually found her. Uh, got her back into um, the foster care system where she was moved from one placement to the next for the next 11 months, seven placements in 11 months. Uh, and in the time that she had been, that she had run away, um, she had been drugged and raped. And so now we just add on more trauma and more heartache. And long story short to all of this, uh, when she finally had enough coping skills um, from all of the different placements and all of the different uh, uh, um, nonprofit organizations and counselors that, that were working with her, and she had developed some coping skills, and we got her into a, a great therapeutic foster home. Uh, she, By this time, she was now a um, senior in high school at Billings West High, and she was making straight A's. 
And we all thought, okay, she's ready for her first job, and that's what she wanted. She wanted a job. And we, of course, thought she's earned it, and so allow her to apply for a job and encourage her to apply for a job. Uh, She does, gets a job at a fast food restaurant right here in our community. One of the employees recognized all of her vulnerabilities and began trafficking her out of that fast food restaurant. And that's when I really started to learn about the underbelly of our community and got involved with uh, training with the FBI on human trafficking, what it looks like, uh, what it, um, how it works and functions within Billings. And having been, uh, you know, I grew up in Billings. My parents owned a restaurant called The Happy Diner. My mom was a federal employee for the Bureau of Indian Affairs. So for me, I really learned um, quickly that the bubble I grew up in was not the same experience other people had. And, and that's tough. And it's a tough, it's a tough lesson to learn. Um, but the reality is that human trafficking is right here in our community. A 14-year-old girl sells for $900 an hour. The younger the age, the higher the price. So, so I don't even really know how to take all that in, right? Yeah. And that's that's way <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm struck emotionally and the reason I'm struck emotionally is cuz I have a 14-year-old daughter. I know. Right? Yeah. And you know, I I'm not quite sure what I wouldn't do to protect her, right? And that's up in up to and including losing my personal life, right? Yeah. And so when I hear you say that, like it it really moves something in me. And I, we 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 got to do two or three shows, right? I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, because I mean, I think we we there are some layers that we we need to pull back that I don't think mm-hmm. people understand. I think before I switch gears, the note I will leave the audience with is, is this: if you think it's not a problem in your backyard, you are absolutely fooling yourself. Period. And I think yeah. that's the note I'll leave it on. Yeah. So I'm gonna switch gears a little yeah, bit because, absolutely. like, seriously, you and I could do this for yeah several hours. So the well, next, well, the second time you and I talked, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, you're absolutely right yeah. at the coffee shop. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We did do that. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna switch gears and spend like four or five minutes on this. I know um, midsummer we had something that happened fairly, fairly significant in our in our world, yeah. and our community took a, a fairly uh, significant stance towards. It. And I was very happy to see how the city of Billings pulled together to, to do something that I thought was highly impressive. And then from that, you took it a step further. And I'm going to butcher this, but you can talk about it a little bit. I know one of the mm-hmm. things that you were uh, championing was the uh, working with the, the police department yeah. with regards to social injustice for, yep. um, for minorities. Yes. And just talk a little bit about that, how it's going, how people can help. Absolutely. Um, so that had actually been something I'd been working on for over two years. Uh, and... The the timing of everything uh, wasn't anything that I, I think any of us saw coming, um, and yet at the same time, it wasn't surprising, and I wish it were. Uh, but the reality is, um, and it's something that people, and often white people, do not want to talk about, especially in Montana and everywhere, uh, is racism. And um, 
you know, racism in our businesses, racism in law enforcement, racism in government, racism in um, our schools, you name it, white people typically don't want to talk about it. And so, um, so I think that they're often shocked when I'm, I'm very direct. I'm, I'm direct in everything I do in life. And, uh, and so when I approach this and I approached it, um, Right away, right after I was uh, sworn in, um, this was one of those issues I was going to work on uh, because what I was seeing is miscommunication from all different sides. So seeing miscommunication from the public as they would view the Billings Police Department, I was seeing miscommunication from the Billings Police Department, how it would often view the public. Um, it, It just seemed like there was... There was a lack of uh, real, honest, sit-down, how do we view one another? And that's one of the things the city of Billings struggles with, is how does government communicate with the public, and how does the public communicate with government? And I think that um, for both of those entities to build trust with one another, there's got to be communication. That is essential. And that's funny, right? Because, you know, literally I was sitting in the coffee shop that they work in today, like not yesterday, today. And this lady walks up to me, literally walks up to me and and I I applauded her, uh, her bravery, right? She walks up to me and I'm not a little guy. She says to me, sir, how is it? And it's almost a quote. How is it to be a colored guy in Billings, Montana? Oh, which is fine. Like, because here's the deal. Like, I don't hold her responsible for any ignorance. Yeah. Right. I appreciated the fact that she wanted to have this conversation. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. for the next 45 minutes, unplanned, I actually had to cancel a meeting. We talked. Yeah. She left my table crying, right? Yeah. And I always tell people, if you leave my table crying, they're going to think I did something to you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I can't tell you. So the, so the point of that story is I can't tell you in the last four to six months how many conversations I've had with people who don't look like me because... They are concerned, and I think they're becoming more and more aware, right? Yeah. Um, and again, there's there's that pocket of people who don't want to do anything. I don't have time to focus on that, and I'm sure you don't either. But I do like I, I I'm I'm really proud of the people who again the approach might be a little ignorant, and I say ignorant, not stupid, ignorant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I'm but I'm proud of them for at least trying to understand that there a is an issue, and b that they want to do something to create a solution. Yeah, and they want to become educated. I mean, that's that's key right there. Is that this woman wanted to become educated, yeah. and and by the way you by the way you vocalized her words, um, it sounded like the the tone was that she was being sincere. Oh, yeah. We may not have liked her choice of words, but the tone was was sincerity, and and that's often um, that's often much of it. And I think in this COVID world where everything is Zoom, we're losing that that human body language, being able to hear real tone, being able to have eye contact, being able to um, see how a person is sitting and moving. And that is such a big part of human communication. So that's, that's really concerning to me as we continue to go, you know, into this COVID deeper and deeper. Um, at the same time, I don't think Zoom's ever going to go away. I think we're going to continue to expand on that. So we have to figure out how to keep that human 
connection going, but, you know, back to your original question, uh, and, and you were talking about the Citizens Police Advisory Board, um, which is, I think, where you were going mm-hmm. with that. And so, uh, so which, is, which is what I had been working on for about two years prior. And one of the things that um, I think we do really well uh, is in America, we have this great ability to express protest, um, whatever that protest may be. What we don't do very well is follow up. We tend to get out there and protest, and then and then we don't follow up with that. And one of my heroes in life is John Lewis. And a lot of people look at some of the big milestones in his life as that was his life. And while he he absolutely, absolutely defined how we view Selma, how we view the Freedom Riders, the the big picture majority of his life was the boring everyday nonstop diligent work of like what you and I are doing right here mm-hmm. of talking with people of sitting down with people that he doesn't agree with politically and figuring out how to find common ground of talking with his constituents of having small conversations on what may feel like not really glorious convert, you know, glorious topics. Um, but that was the majority of his life. That was, that was the big picture part of his life. And that is as significant as, as the real big visuals that history tends to focus on is, and that's what we don't typically do very well. And what we have to get better at each one of us, each one of us have to get better at the small, boring, non-glory work of talking with one another and figuring out how to move forward. Yeah, so so my favorite quote to that, my analogy to that is, everybody wants to be the prom queen, but yeah. nobody wants to see the prom queen get dressed. Yeah. Because that, yeah. that, that's where the work happens, right? Yeah. You know, um, putting the girdle on. Yeah. Putting, you know, well, uh, make so right? then what I work in, I'd be like, oh, no, I think there's quite a few people I would know that would want to watch the prom queen. Get dressed. <laughs> I think there's quite a few people that would. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, so Penny, like, I, I, like, we seriously have to do this again, right? Absolutely. Because I think there are so many layers that we need to pull back. But in respect of your time, like... I seriously, we need to do coffee again soon, like real soon, right? And have some more conversations. So the last thing I ask anybody on my show is this. So tell me that one thing, that motto, that driving uh, thing that you use every day to get up and do something different. You know, I would love to tell you that I get up every day and do something different. Uh, It often feels like I get up every day doing the same thing. And... Um, and I and I will look at my computer and go, I can't believe I'm doing this again today. Uh, isn't this fight over with already? <laughs> um, but that's not the way change works. You know, change works when we do get up and do that fight every day, no matter how tired we are, no matter if we're the only one in the room, no matter if we're the only one making the call. Uh, that's and and you often are. You know, change, I would love to say that change works in really big gatherings, but it doesn't. You know, my experience is that change works with a relatively small number of people committed to doing the hard work and the stuff that gets no glory and the stuff that's boring 
and the stuff that doesn't allow you to just go on a camping trip and say, I want to get away from everything, um, you have to say to yourself, nope, the fight's still on. I can go camping in a couple of years. I need to do this fight right now. And so for me, um, I think that the you know the the life mission has evolved and changed right now i think my life mission is about truth and about um making sure that that truth is heard in a world that doesn't want to hear truth so i heard it you just gave me my new motto i'm gonna do it when i'm tired and i'm gonna make sure i do it when it's true i'm gonna do yeah. it in truth yeah Penny, I, I want to um, thank you for coming on my show. I know your schedule is is really tight, so I want to thank you for coming on my show. I'm serious. We need to do this again. Absolutely, anytime. Um, so, yeah, so thank you, Councilwoman Penny Ronning, Ward 4, Billings, Montana. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's totally my pleasure. <laughs> Next time, Billings, we'll be back. Mm-hmm.